0: everyone and welcome to the Arthritis Action Podcast. I'm Mark, your host as always and on this episode I'm joined by Dr Sarah Watts. Sarah is the Clinical Director of the NHS Staffordshire and Stoke-on-Trent Talking Therapy Service and the Clinical Lead for Talking Therapies in the Midlands. Hello Sarah.
1: Hello, thanks for inviting me on today. It's lovely to meet you.
0: You too, you too. Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So As we've mentioned on previous episodes, especially our one on emotional well-being in the first series, uh, the emotional or mental side of your your health is is equally as important as the physical side. So, I mean, this is something that can really take its toll when you're living with something like arthritis or, you know, to be honest, any long-term condition, really. So this one, we're kind of branching out a little bit more than maybe we will have done in some of the previous ones where it's not strictly about arthritis as this is all about the mental side so hopefully a lot of this can apply to people with other conditions as well but of course you know this is the arthritis action podcast so i am gonna have a slight bias in pointing it in that direction but hopefully this means yeah it's gonna be useful for a lot of people out there so sarah so there's um the, until, until recently i believe it's like we're talking about talking therapies today like what helps available for people but it did also used to be called an iapt service as well didn't it or instead of
1: it did yeah so, so some people may have come across their their local service as being called an iapt service that stood for improving access to psychological therapies um and services like that have been um all around England for about 12 years now. Um, Most places have had a service of that nature. And actually, it's a national requirement now that all geographical areas need to have a service of this nature. Um, But it it became quite apparent that lots of members of of the community generally didn't really know what IAPT was. It wasn't a very user-friendly term, and although professionals knew what it was, you know, our national team did a big consultation a bit earlier this year um, to talk to people about what might make the service a bit more accessible and how people might know what we actually do. So services have now been rebranded to be known as NHS Talking Therapies services. So you may have previously known it as IAPT, but we're now known as NHS Talking Therapies instead.
0: Excellent. excellent. So um, I guess the next question, obviously, is like if yeah, you could explain what Talking Therapies are and, and also explain a little bit about yourself as well and what your role is within it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the service first, because that's that's the most important thing. And then I can mm. talk about myself in a moment. Um, so talking therapist services are aimed at people who are aged 16 and over. Um, and we work pretty much exclusively with people who have difficulties with anxiety and depression. Um, so when we talk about anxiety, we're also talking about other conditions that come under that umbrella. Things like obsessive compulsive disorder, social anxiety, health anxiety. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder, phobias, um, more generalised anxiety. So we, we work in the remit. We're, we're specialists in providing psychological therapies for people who feel anxious and people who are depressed. Um, we don't tend to work with more, more of the severe mental illnesses, things like um, bipolar disorder or psychosis. Um, so we're, we're purely psychological therapists and people who are accessing our service are usually able to refer themselves to us. So they don't necessarily need to have seen another health professional, although a lot of people do get recommended to come to us from their GP or another health professional that they're working with. So. Around the country, that there is a national Talking Therapies Finder website. If people Google Talking Therapies Finder or IAPT Finder, you can pop your postcode into there and it'll tell you where your local service is so that you can access it in the area that you live in. Um, and you'll then be offered an assessment with the service to see what your situation is and what's happening for you at the moment. And then we obviously have a range of evidence based treatment therapy offers that we can make to people, which we'll discuss with with someone depending on what they're telling us their difficulties are and then that may be to come to us to to talk for a talk in therapy or it might be that we support somebody to access another service that we think would be more appropriate for their needs
0: so what does an assessment involve then if you go for one of those
1: yeah so that's 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 the first appointment with the service um and that will be with with a clinician with a therapist to talk about what's happening for you at the moment um what your situation is a little bit perhaps about your history how things came to be the way that they are at the moment um it might be important to understand things about you know what you're able to do and not do at the moment and maybe you know is your mood stopping you do certain things or is it causing you to do things you weren't doing before that you're not happy with um and what we will do is is look to see some of the symptoms that people are having so that might be somebody's not sleeping somebody's worrying more than usual um it might be people have noticed changes with their eating or that they've stopped going out because you know they're feeling that that's too difficult at the moment so there's lots of different things that we might look at with people we'll ask questions about that to try and work out specifically what's going on for them so it's a very sort of individualized process Um we'll also look at things like risks to see if, if there are any concerns you know with our primary thing is to make sure that people are safe in the work that we're doing. So we we would be asking some questions around that routinely. Um, We would ask about perhaps other services that people are accessing and whether they're finding those helpful, um, just to see if there's anything else we might be able to suggest. Um, But really, that will usually be an appointment. It could happen on the telephone. It could happen face to face. Um, but that will usually last between 60 to 90 minutes Um, and by the end of that then you know you should have a good shared understanding with the therapist you're talking to about what the situation is and what the next steps might be that are best for you
0: okay cool yeah that makes sense that makes sense thank you um so this is a maybe a bit of an odd question this but like why should people use talking therapies i mean why why is it so valuable
1: well, I I guess I, I'm 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 gonna say that I think it's really important because I'm I'm the clinical director of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think the thing is we've seen so many people um be able to benefit from talking to somebody about the symptoms that they're having, um, to find different ways of managing or to just talk to somebody that's outside of their current situation about, you know, their feelings, their thoughts, the things that they're doing at the moment. Um you know, we we do we do monitor people's moods. We do ask people to fill in questionnaires um, throughout their treatment, so that we can see you know whether things are staying the same or things are changing in any way. Um, and we know from the data that we, we've amassed over a period of time that that a large number of people really really benefit and move. You know, clinically, their symptoms become much less during the course of therapy um, because they've been able to talk about things, because they've perhaps found some different ways of managing. Um, Sometimes for people, they will come into our, our group work programs rather than one to one. And sometimes people find that that peer support can be really, really valuable with the difficulties that they're having. So there's lots of different ways um, that, you know, we, we can support people to move towards their goals. And I think the important thing is that the work that's done in talking therapies is about your individual goals. It's not about us telling you what we think you should do. It's about you telling us what you want to achieve and, and us, us helping you to get there in the best way that we can. And, you know, we you can be assured that within talking therapist services that, that people are, are working from the evidence base. So you won't be offered something that isn't you know clinically proven to be helpful for, for what you're presenting to us with. So, um, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into these things behind the scenes as well to make sure we're providing the best service that we can for people.
0: Excellent. So as, as I said, you of course, this is the Arthritis Action Podcast. So I, I have to ask, how does it benefit people like, you know, with arthritis? I mean, I know that working a lot with people with arthritis, yeah, you know, there's a lot of like, or anyone with any long-term conditions, really, there's a, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of different factors that can kind of come into it, you know, like with being in chronic pain for like long periods of time and like the uh, kind of losing your ability to do the things you used to do. So how do you think it all fits in for people with arthritis?
1: So for, for several years now, um, there's been a remit within all talking therapist services that that a certain proportion of their therapists have to do additional training um, in providing psychological therapy to people with long term physical health conditions um, who are also experiencing anxiety and depression. So a lot of our workforce have that additional training and are very skilled in terms of supporting people to manage physical and and mental health difficulties at the same time um so we're, we're very well aware of, of some of the you know enormous difficulties that can come up trying to live with a long-term health condition um you know and there are lots of different ways that it can impact people um so again you know we we will have specialists working within those services all around the country um, who will potentially be linking in with the physical health teams that you're also seeing, mm-hmm. um, you know, around your arthritis. And we would never do that without somebody's consent, obviously. But if, if, if you were working with us and you were happy for us to speak to other professionals, then we would link up so that we could work as a team around you um, so that we're supporting your physical health and your mental health um, at the same time in the best way that we can.
0: Does that also mean when it comes to it, as well as like people sort of like, you know, dealing with their long-term pain and everything, do you get people like coming in where they're just essentially trying to accept their diagnosis or accepting that this is now just starting to happen to them?
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's lots of different reasons why somebody with a long term physical health condition or with arthritis might might want to come to psychological therapy. And I think, you know, there's sometimes a bit of a misconception that people say, well, I don't want to go to psychological therapy because, you know, that's not going to make me feel any better. And, you know, realistically, psychological therapy is not going to take your pain away. It's not going to take away some of those physical symptoms that you're experiencing. But but what it might be able to do is, as you say, potentially help someone come to terms with and manage a diagnosis that might be quite difficult to hear um it might be about supporting family members around who, you know to understand the situation um and, and support in the best way possible um, it might be that some people receiving a diagnosis of a physical health condition you know brings up some issues from earlier in their life where perhaps they weren't well or they experienced um you know other difficulties that that could be linked in some way um and and you know counselling or interpersonal therapy that the talking therapist services will offer can can sort of support people to to maybe discuss some of those issues and look at how things were managed before and you know whether things could be different this time maybe you know are there other alternatives are there other ways of looking at things um but also we we can support with things like um we call it behavioural activation, but where perhaps a physical health condition or pain is stopping somebody from doing things, we need to be very, very mindful that people aren't physically overdoing it. Um, But also, we know that not doing anything at all can lead people to feel more depressed. So we may be supporting people in terms of the amount of activity they're able to do the times of the day, they're more able to do that, and actually pacing themselves so that they're not overdoing it as well. So Um, There's different strands to what we might look at within the service. Some of it is around behavior, as I say, what people are doing, and whether people need to change what they're doing in line with their physical health condition potentially. It's also thinking about their feelings, and that's very important. You know how people feel about their diagnosis, their condition, and, and what's happening because of that. But it's also looking at their thoughts as well. Um, you know, sometimes we can we can develop thoughts um, that don't help us in a situation. Um, you know, for example, you know, people may think that, you know, now I've got this condition. I can't do anything anymore. I'm use, I'm useless. I can't do the things I used to do. You know, it, it affects my confidence that I can't do these things now. Um, and that's not a helpful thought for somebody to hold because it is going to make you feel bad if, if you think that so we we you know we'd be looking at working around that in terms of well things are different now they're not the same as they were but that doesn't mean that things are are terrible um forever there are still things that can be done there that you know there's still hope there's still you know really good things that that you can do with your life so i think it's about being realistic um and and it's about focusing on that psychological side we're not pretending that we can we can change the physical symptoms at all because that's not possible but it's looking at the the psychological side and how we can support with various different aspects of that.
0: Excellent I was also thinking like um, one thing you kind of touched upon earlier was like you know sort of the isolation factor of it as well as sometimes in life you're especially if you have a long-term condition and you're maybe perhaps less mobile or less able to do things as well then you know people do become very isolated I know it's something we've had a lot of during the pandemic especially as well where people's Mm -hmm. like lost a lot of their physicality due to like you know not using their bodies as much as they would have done so where is there sort of support for things like that as well where people may have like become sort of quite socially isolated as well
1: yeah we i mean talking therapist services um you know we'll always look to signpost people you know we'll look to get to know people and understand what their interests are and what they want to be doing and we have very good networks within our local health communities um you know most most NHS Trust and Service Now will have some kind of social inclusion hub, for example, where people can go and actually access those kinds of activities or um, have somebody there to support them to access those activities. So we we would very much be looking to to support people with that if, if we could. Um, it's not something that we would directly work on, but we are very aware, you know, social, social isolation is a big thing financial pressure is a huge thing at the moment as well and that's something that we very much need to um you know be be aware of with people um for example mo- most talking therapy services now also have a team of employment advisors working with them who can support around work education retraining um you know return to work after after illness um, various aspects like that and, and financial issues as well so um you know within the service we would look to try and provide that to people if we can as well so I think the good thing about talking therapist services is that they're well integrated in the health community Mm. and if there's something that somebody needs that we can't provide we can usually you know find a place that we'll be able to meet that need um, for somebody so we're, we're a good kind of general place to come to to ask the questions because we you know we, we can sort of advise if it's if it isn't going to be us for whatever reason we can often make a recommendation about where might be helpful for somebody to go to
0: that's definitely one of the things i think is a benefit is uh one of the good things about the nhs is how interlinked a lot of things are and like different sort of like areas within it you know if, if you're not the right one then they'll not, you can hopefully point someone in the right direction of where they need to go
1: we, we would very definitely hope to be doing that. Um, you know, the, the, the last thing we want to be saying to somebody is is no. Um, mm. What we'd like to, you know, say is we, we, we'll offer you whatever we can. And if it isn't going to be us, then we'll try and find you somewhere else that, that, that can help.
0: So this is going to be a really tricky one. So this is a... <laughs> Do, do what you can with this one. I was thinking about timelines and I know that there's no way you could like give me this. The, yeah, you oh, will fix your problem in, in three weeks or anything like that. Cause you know, you're not working on a car, you're working on a person. Uh, and um, I was just wondering, like what sort of like, I was wondering what, what would timelines more of like a time commitment? What kind of commitment would people need to give if they were to like, you know, access a talking therapy service?
1: Yeah it's a good question and and it varies a little bit according to which type of therapy or which type of treatment you you know you might end up receiving. Um, so we have different kind of stages to the model that we have. Um, our stage that we call step two is a stage at which our psychological well-being practitioners work with people um, and the commitment there is usually a uh, 30 minute appointment, um, once every week or once every two weeks, that might be on the telephone, it might be face to face, that's usually based on, you know, choice of the person we understand it's difficult to get to us sometimes so we have options for remote appointments around telephone around video consultation um so that that would be sort of for people who had quite mild difficulties at the moment um and maybe it's the first time they've come to see us yeah you know so there would be some kind of well-being advice some strategies to help people manage symptoms so that would be 30 minutes once a week once every two weeks
0: is there a commitment to how long you have to do this as well or can you kind of like because i know some people would be worried about signing up for six weeks or something like that so is there there a limit like do they how can they just come once and then decide afterwards or
1: i mean usually the assessment session is where we would talk to people about the different offers um you know that that we could make to them but if people do commit to come to therapy we we do ask them to commit to it and to come regularly because the sessions build on each other so if you leave if you only come once you won't get all of the content mm. so you won't have had all of the support that we could provide and if you if you leave it too long between sessions it loses momentum a little bit because sometimes people will be asked to try things out at home between sessions and come back and let us know how it went so that we can check that that you know we're doing things properly for that person that it's working for them so if we don't see somebody for six weeks it's really hard to kind of keep that momentum going um so usually the assessment will be the time where we'd have that conversation um but when somebody commits to come into therapy we'd ask them to come obviously if somebody's feeling a lot better after three weeks and they don't want to complete the six that's fine they can finish early mm. um you know it's, it's not that once they start they have to finish but um if we make an offer it's kind of for, for an episode of care usually um, at the kind of higher end, the the kind of highest offer we might make to somebody, perhaps um, this is usually for for things like if somebody's experiencing post traumatic stress disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder, that would be twenty hour long sessions that would be either once a week or once a fortnight. Um, so we're not a very long term therapy service, but that is within you know, the evidence base in terms of NICE guidelines for, for what should be provided for for people experiencing those things. So it would usually vary between, you know, six half-hour sessions and 20-hour and long sessions.
0: Excellent. And so NICE, for those who don't know what that stands for, is the National Institute for Clinical Excellence. Have I got that correct?
1: That is correct. (laughs) Yeah, they've carried out lots of studies in terms of, you know, which types of therapy um, are most effective, for which different presenting difficulties um, and talking therapy services will all be following their guidance in terms of what they're offering to you
0: brilliant excellent so I, one thing i also i did slightly cut off earlier when you were talking about um that people could access like some of the services via like zoom or via, over the internet or, or via phone. So you could tell us a bit more about them because obviously with arthritis comes a lot of yeah immobility and a lot of like or if you live in a particularly rural area you may not be able to like get to some appointments very easily so what other access and sort of issues are covered
1: yeah, we, we, we will accommodate whatever we can to meet people's needs in terms of access. Um, obviously, sometimes there are things that aren't possible, but we'll do our very best. So, so you know, some therapies can be provided via the telephone, via video consultation. So, so All Talking Therapy Services will have a video consultation platform that they use. Um, you'll be sent a link onto an iPad or a smartphone that you click at your appointment time, and then you can see your therapist on screen um, and it can be done remotely. Um, Some services like ours, obviously, we understand not everybody has a smartphone, not everybody has an iPad. Mm. Um, Some people live in areas with very poor coverage. So um, our trust has been one of the pioneering trusts in the country to look at kind of digital poverty and digital exclusion. Um, And we have some devices known as comp devices, um, which we can loan to people for the episode of therapy that they have. Um, Somebody will go out. It's it's like a screen. It's like a very big screen with a button on it that you just have to switch on and off. um, and it's you know it's loaded with data so that you be able to kind of work on a remote consultation appointment. Someone will show you how to use it. You keep it for the duration of your therapy, and then somebody comes and collects it at the end. Um, so um, you know trusts are starting now to to kind of look at options to make sure that people aren't excluded if they don't have smart devices around that. Amazing. Obviously, we have. Off- We have offers of face-to-face as well. Um, And something else that we're doing is we actually have a wellbeing bus, which um, we can take out to community locations. We can take out to car parks in GP practices, supermarkets, um, libraries, various places, and it has a consultation room in the back. Um, So if people can't get to us and they want to see somebody face-to-face or it's not safe for them to have their consultation at home for whatever reason, we, we can take the bus out to community locations and kind of take a clinic room to them.
0: Amazing. Amazing. How would how would like a a person or a community arrange for something like that to happen?
1: Um, well, I mean, if, if somebody contacted us to use the service and said they would have access issues getting to us, um, then you know, it it would be something that we would consider we'd look at the, the closest place we could get to them. I mean, we, we couldn't potentially come and park it outside somebody's house yeah. but we, would, we would obviously make sure that we could go to you know a community location near them if there were difficulties around that so yeah we, it, it's just about when you contact and have that assessment appointment making sure that you're explaining what your needs might be so that we can work out how to kind of accommodate that for you
0: brilliant that's really that's really cool really like the sound of that when it comes to arthritis and pain of course what can people in pain from arthritis do about it
1: um, I think I think it's a very individual thing. I think what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to give blanket advice about that. I think the first thing is to listen to what the, the medical and physical health professionals are saying. Um, and if you're using talking therapist service, services, let, let your therapist know as well about what's being said there. Um, you know, for some people, rest and relaxation is very important. For some people, um, you know, formal relaxation can actually trigger pain um so i think it's very much about finding out for for each individual what works for them sometimes for people you know distraction keeping the mind busy supports with managing physical pain um for other people you know they, there are other things that, that are helpful so i'm not sure i can give blanket advice on that necessarily but i think what we would be looking to do would be working in line with the advice from physical health professionals um you know giving some suggestions and be, being led by the person themselves, really, in terms of what what they feel might work for them um, and, and trying things out. We have lots of different ideas and lots of different strategies, um, you know, that we can suggest from within the service. So it'd be very much about deciding that for each individual.
0: Mm, definitely, no, completely agree. Do you, so did you go through a lot of things like, you know, distraction techniques or mindfulness and sort of those types of approaches, or do you have a different approach to these kind of things in talking therapies?
1: We, we do we do have mindfulness therapists in the service and that is an option um that, that we have um in terms of the evidence base for anxiety disorders distraction actually is not something we teach what we would prefer to teach people to do is to actually manage the underlying anxiety and that would be done through exposure rather than avoidance okay. so it, it would be about supporting people with the help of the therapist to do the things that are causing them to feel anxious um and to learn how to manage and how to cope in those situations um because if you think about it, if you um if you are feeling very, very anxious and all you do is distract yourself from that, the next time you get anxious, the only strategy you've got available to you is to distract you again. Um, Whereas if you learn to manage the underlying anxiety, what what you'll learn over time is that anxiety is really unpleasant. It's not a nice feeling. Um, It can be very difficult to tolerate, but it's not going to cause you permanent physical damage. And so what happens the next time you feel anxious is that, you know, you coped with it last time. And so you feel a little bit more confident about coping with it again. Um, And each time another situation comes up, you gradually get better and better at learning to manage it. So. Um, we, we would encourage exposure as far as possible, um, obviously understanding that there are times where that might not be possible and actually distraction might be the most functional thing to do at that moment. But usually we would we would encourage people to to tackle it and manage it head on, um, you know, with the support of a therapist and some strategies, you know, to help them with that so that they learn that they can actually control and manage their anxiety.
0: So that's really interesting because that's a little, a little bit kind of different from some of the things that we usually hear, which is mostly things about being distracted or like trying to take your mind off it. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting to hear, like, you know, the alternate sort of ways of dealing with it.
1: Well, that that comes from cognitive behavioural therapy, which is one of the main therapies that we provide in Talking therapy services. Um, yeah, and it's very much about if you understand what's causing it and you learn how to manage it, then you're back in control of it. It's not controlling you anymore. Um, but it can be tricky and it can't always be possible in all situations, so we'd obviously be be realistic around that. Um, again, it comes back to you know the individual and mm. what, what they want to work on and how they want to best manage it. But that that, that would be the evidence base for most of the anxiety issues that, that present to services.
0: Well, could you tell us a little bit more about cognitive behavioral therapy, actually? I think that might be quite interesting interesting as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm, I'm well, I'm a consultant clinical psychologist. I'm an accredited CBT therapist as well. So that's, that's kind of my modality. That's the therapy mm. I do when I work with patients. Um, And it's based, it's based around the premise that, that when something happens to us in life, and this is the case for everybody, not, not just people who may be struggling with their mental health, but something happens to us and it, it triggers a kind of set of, re- of responses in us really. So um, it causes us to have certain thoughts, Um, And those thoughts will cause us to feel a certain way. Um, We'll have physical symptoms as well, probably in relation to that. And all of this together will cause us to do things in a certain way. So an example might be if you imagine uh, we're in Staffordshire, so I'm going to use Alton Towers as the example here. You imagine you went to Alton Towers and you go on one of the massive roller coasters. You've got you've got two people there in the queue, get into the front seat of this massive roller coaster together. One of them sitting there thinking, oh my God, I wish I wasn't doing this. This is horrendous. You know, this this is really scary. I don't know why my friends taught me into doing this. You know, I, I shouldn't be here. And the other person sitting there thinking, wow, this is amazing. You know, I've waited all year to come here and go on this roller coaster and this this is fantastic. So we've got two people in the same situation having very different thought patterns about it. So the person who's sitting there thinking, I wish I wasn't here, is gonna start feeling anxious. Is gonna feel fearful. Um, the person who's actually quite excited about it um, is going to be very happy, you know, really glad that they're there. So we can see already how the same situation can cause different people to have different thoughts, and those different thoughts will cause different feelings. Now, the interesting thing about this situation is that the physiological reaction they're having, the reaction in their body, will be exactly the same, because the physiology of anxiety and excitement is pretty similar. We get an adrenaline release in the body so we start getting you know the heart rate raises um you know like a little bit sweaty you know your breathing might change a little bit you get that kind of response to the adrenaline release um the person who's anxious is going to interpret that as a bad thing the person who's feeling excited is going to interpret that as part of their excitement so that complete the circle what they will then do in response to that is very different they'll go around the roller coaster and our anxious person will get off and will say that was terrible i'm never doing that again in my life and they will avoid roller coasters forevermore. the excited person's going to get off and say that was brilliant i'm going to go back get back in the queue again and do that all over again so we can see that the same situation two different sets of thought patterns causes two different sets of feelings causes people to act in different ways So somebody who's been anxious is more likely to develop that pattern of avoidance um, because they decide they don't want to do that thing again because it makes them feel bad. Um, Whereas somebody who's feeling excited about it is more likely to go back in there and see it as, as something really good that they're doing. So CBT is based around that cycle of thoughts, feelings, physiology and behavior, because by looking at that circle and looking at what people are thinking, we can understand what they're feeling and then why they're doing what they're doing. And where people aren't happy with the situation they're in and they're not happy because they're avoiding things or they're doing things they don't want to be doing, what we can do is work on different parts of that cycle with them in CBT, in cognitive behavioural therapy, and look at where we're able to make little changes so that their thought patterns are actually supporting the behaviour that they, they want to kind of um, be doing so that they can tackle their avoidance um, and they can manage their mood in, in a way that feels comfortable for them.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> Uh, so I tell you what I won't keep you too much longer Then, so I am going to ask you to one more before we're all done is um what advice would you give to people living with arthritis who need help
1: I think certainly in terms of, of mental health help I would say contact your talking therapist service absolutely um it's always worth having a conversation to talk through the options if you're struggling with sleeping you're struggling with pain you're feeling anxious you're feeling low um, sometimes people who are diagnosed with arthritis have had difficulty with anxiety or depression before they have that diagnosis. Um, you know, and, and that can can be triggered by receiving a diagnosis. So, I would absolutely say contact your talking therapist service, have that conversation, um, and see what support is available to you. It's an NHS service; it's free of charge. Um, it, it's there to support you in any way that it can. So, um, I, I would say don't be afraid to make the phone call and explore. You know, the options that are available to you.
0: Great, great. So, I mean, you say people can self-refer to these things as well as it come from the GP as well.
1: That's right. Yeah, most services will have a website where, um, you know, where you can self-refer. You can just click a button and pop your details in, and it will contact the service, um, to let them know that you want to self-refer, and then they'll get in touch with you to book that first appointment with you.
0: What would be the best way for people to find that? Is like go to your local council's website, or
1: um, it's on the uh nhs uk website if, if if you literally put into google talking therapist finder or iapt finder iapt finder um the site will come up and it will ask you to put your postcode in and it will then tell you where your local service is
0: we'll put a link to that in the description of this as well so that you can find that a bit easier um, so, I should also plug our website as well, really. And if you want to look at any more sort of information so, that we have on there, so we've got a few bits about sort of, you know, some of the stuff we mentioned, like, you know, distraction techniques, talking therapies, all the lots of different sort of psychological treatments available and where you can go for them a lot of it sarah's already talked about but you can visit our website which is www.arthritisaction.org.uk or send us an email if you'd like to and that's podcast at arthritisaction.org.uk amazing thank you so much sarah i really appreciate your time
1: thanks very much for inviting me on today it's been great talking with you
0: excellent cool thank you everybody bye-bye